When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. But the cure for the pain is in the pain. You have to go through it. You can't go around it, can't skip it, can't fast forward through it. You literally have to go through it sometimes. And then that's where you can finally release it. And then that's where you'll see lasting transformation. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey guys, you're now listening to The Coaches Network, a podcast aiming to bring people at the heart of coach and player development together. My name's Coach Yas, a performance coach, content creator and founder of The Coaches Network. And today's episode is going to be part of our how-to series, where we discuss a range of topics and with the help of our guests, break down some actionable how-to steps to help you reach your full potential. Enjoy. Right, guys, welcome back to the Coaches Network. My name's Coach Yes, and today I've got a very special guest with me. Um, my guest for today is Drew Manning. Drew Manning is the founder of the Fit to Fat to Fit Theory, um, and he's a number one bestseller. Um, welcome, Drew. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. Can I call you Coach? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Thanks Coach. So, Drew, just to, just for those that aren't familiar with who you are and what you you know what you do and some of your work, would you mind just giving us a bit of, a bit of a breakdown of exactly what that is? Sure. So, most people know me from my fit to fat to fit journey. So, back in 2011, uh, for those that have no idea what fit to fat to fit is, um, what I did in a nutshell was I decided as a personal trainer and someone who grew up their entire life in shape. Right? I played sports here in the USA, uh, like uh, American football and wrestling. So naturally I was very fit my entire life and became a personal trainer. So here I was someone who had never been overweight a day in my life, trying to help my clients who were overweight pretty much the majority of their life. And you can imagine there's there's a disconnect when you feel like, at least for me, it, it, it was so easy in my mind. I'm like, you guys put down the junk food, follow my meal plans, go to the gym, do these workouts. Like it's not that hard. It, it should be really easy. <laughs> but my clients would struggle to be consistent, right? Because uh, you know, they, they want to go have some drinks with some friends on the weekend or, you know, they were sore and they were tired. And so they didn't go to the gym that day. <clears throat> so for me, I would get frustrated. And I had one of my clients tell me, you know, Drew, you don't understand how hard it is for me or for people like me to live this lifestyle. For you, it's been easy your whole life. And so I kind of took that to heart from my client. I was like, you know what? You're right. Maybe there's something I need to learn. Maybe there's something I'm missing. And I was thinking of ideas and then boom, this idea entered my mind and it was like this light bulb went off and I felt almost called to do this fit to fat to fit journey. I was like, what if <laughs> I get fat on purpose to gain a better understanding and documented it on, on a website? And uh, I kind of just ran with the idea. So the idea was for six months, 
completely let myself go, right? Eat an unrestricted diet, um, you know, no exercise for six months <laughs> and eat a lot of the delicious American foods that, that we have here that are very, can make you gain a lot of weight pretty easily, right? So I put on 75 pounds, which is I think uh, uh, around 30 kilos or so, um, 75 pounds in six months of pure fat, right? And then it was one of the hardest, most humbling experiences I've ever experienced. And uh, luckily over the next six months, I, I walked the walk and put my money where my mouth was and I lost the weight, but my by, by no means was it easy. And I learned so many valuable lessons from that first experiment that it totally changed my perspective and totally opened my eyes to just how wrong I was in my approach to helping people and just how wrong I feel the fitness industry is in trying to help people not just lose weight, but transform their body and their mind. And um, that's where, uh, you know, I started this whole fit to fight to fit movement where I wrote a book. The book became a New York Times bestseller. The book turned into a TV show here in the U.S. called Fit to Fat to Fit, where we put other trainers through this process. And that's kind of what most people know me as is the fit to fat to fit guy, the, the crazy trainer that gained weight on purpose. <laughs> you know, that was about 10 years ago or so. So let's we'll just start there. But I really learned some valuable lessons from that first experiment. Brilliant. And, you know, just you talked there, you know, you mentioned quite a few things in there around that that initial journey on the fit to fat to fit uh, fit. Now, you know, you used the word there around empathy. Now, it'll be interesting just to kind of get your thoughts on what exactly empathy is for you and how that has changed from back then, 10 years ago, or just before you actually had that light bulb moment that you spoke of, and to kind of go through the journey that you've been through um, and how that has actually changed for you in terms of what empathy actually was for you then what it is for you now and how it actually looks for you yeah so i i'll be totally honest i was very judgmental back then and i don't think i had any empathy <laughs> i had no idea what empathy was i think back then so back then i was so focused like a lot of trainers are on the physical aspect of weight loss which is important if you want to lose weight you have to do these physical things you have to eat less food and eat healthy and exercise and work out and do these hard things physically to obtain weight loss, right? But <laughs> that's all I could focus on. So if someone's struggling with emotional issues and they're emotionally eating, I would be like, okay, let's change up your macros, let's change up your calories, let's change up your workouts, right? <laughs> Maybe that'll help you break through this. But in my mind, it's like, look, you just have to have willpower and you have to have discipline. And if you don't have those things, then you're just weak or lazy. And I didn't understand until I did fit to fat to fit, just how wrong it was. And when I did my first fit to fit to fit experiment in 2011, uh, it was one of the most humbling things I've ever been through because what I realized from that experiment was that the key to transformation, true transformation, is way more mental and emotional than people think. People think, oh, and I need to eat less, I need to work out. Yes, that's a part of it, that's the physical aspect of it. But the mental and emotional part is what keeps people from being consistent over time. So how I developed empathy was learning firsthand just how bad this journey sucks and just how hard it is, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally. So I remember, here's a, a interesting story of, of what happened. When I ate American junk food for six months and put on 75 pounds and then boom, the next six months I had to, I had to eat healthy food. Those first two weeks eating healthy food and exercising again were miserable, absolute hell for me not just physically, but mentally, emotionally. I didn't, I totally underestimated how powerful the emotional connection to food really is. And this is where my eyes were open. I'm like, you know, light bulb went off in my head. Like, oh, this is what my clients have been telling me. This is why they struggle, right? And then I could start to empathize. Like, 
man, this, this, <laughs> this connection to food, it, it's not just as simple as like putting the, the food down. It's like, none of us would go up to a drug addict and be like, dude, just stop doing drugs. What's wrong with you? Why don't you just stop doing drugs? It's not that hard, right? Because we know that drug addiction is a real thing. And when I went through that experience of experiencing kind of what it's like to be addicted to food and just how hard, it, it, it's so weird. My body almost wanted the high from those unhealthy foods and was like pushing me towards that and made me feel miserable for about two weeks going through these withdrawal symptoms of not having that food. It's so strange because now I'm like, man, I thought my body would instantly go back to wanting healthy food again, but your body in a way gets addicted to the high it gets from these foods. And then when you try and feed it real food, healthy food, it's almost like going getting off a drug. You go through these withdrawal symptoms that aren't pleasant. So I was grumpy. I was moody. I had headaches. I was hungry all the time. The food didn't taste nearly as good. And that is where I started to develop empathy. When you try and walk around someone else's shoes, that's where you start to see things through a new lens. And then you can start to empathize with your clients that way. And you're like, oh, I, now I see what you're talking about. So for me, empathy is listening to someone, listening to understand. Most of the time, I would say 95% of our communication, we listen to people to respond. Okay, we're listening to them. How am I going to respond to this? How am I going to critique them or judge them or correct them? And so many times as a leader, when you have a lot of knowledge and your client doesn't, you just listen to judge or respond or critique instead of listening to truly understand. So for me, that's what empathy is in a nutshell. And that's why I'm such a big proponent of empathy, because in the fitness industry, I truly believe that no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. So you could have all the knowledge as a trainer, as a coach, as an influencer, whatever you could as a scientist like <laughs> or a doctor. You could have all the knowledge in the world, but if that person that you're trying to help doesn't feel like you care about them first and foremost, and all you care about is having that knowledge, they're gonna, not going to be as willing to listen to you of what you have to say uh, of your advice, you know, to help them because there's a relatability factor that's missing with a lot of personal trainers or coaches where they are just, you know, they're the leader, they're the ones with the knowledge. So it's like, do as I say. But I feel like no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care first. And that's why empathy is so important in the fitness industry. And that's why I'm on a mission to disrupt this industry by bringing empathy first. Let's try empathy instead of a new diet or a new supplement. We've tried that for decades and people are still struggling. Why not try empathy, especially now in 2020 with how divisive this world is? So that's kind of the story of how I was able to develop empathy. That's what empathy is for me. And that's why I think empathy is so important today in today's world definitely you know, there's a few things that you touched on there you know you talked there about you know that element of you know walking the walk and putting yourself in their shoes essentially you know you, when you talk about experiencing the withdrawal symptoms mm -hmm. and things like that for the food and you know I want to take you back to that element you know, how much of that is you know that initial part of you being judgmental um that in itself, obviously, that kind of works against the idea of empathy, and obviously, that's something that you've learned through the through the journey itself. But kind of just talk to you a little bit about how much resilience and determination it took from you going through that, and how much appreciation you now have for that. Yeah. So this is why I'm such a, a, a believer in experiences shape our beliefs, and this is why I'm such a big believer in empathy is because if you or I had an experience of let's say someone growing up in the Amazons in the 1500s, we would not be the same person we are today. Correct. Like we would have different experiences that would shape our beliefs and we would t think totally differently. So for me, 
to have my experiences and then judge someone else who has not had my experiences and say, you should think like I think, that's where I've really done a lot of personal work over the, I would say, past decade or so since my first experiment to really hone in the importance of empathy to say, look, I haven't had your experiences. I have no idea what it's like growing up 50 pounds, 60 pounds overweight as a child and to be teased by your friends or maybe even your family members and to emotionally eat since the age of 10 years old. And then now here they are 40 years old, can't figure out why they can't lose weight. And now they're trying to be, live a healthy lifestyle. Like I have no idea what that's like. And so for me, they, uh, I, I've, I've read a lot of books from Brene Brown and I highly, highly recommend to anyone listening to this to go start there. If you want to learn how to develop empathy in your life, Brene Brown is a expert researcher. You can look at her Ted talk on, uh, on YouTube. It's, it's amazing. It's been downloaded tens of millions of times. Uh, her work is really, really important for me as a coach in the fitness industry to really understand what empathy is. And, um, you know, for me, it's really opened up my eyes to when I'm trying to help someone, it's so easy to be like, okay, here's your meal plans. <laughs> here's your workouts. Here's your supplements. Like go do this and you will see results. And then to expect them to be perfect is, is nearly impossible. This is why, you know, you know, you live over in the UK, right? Um, there's here in the U S there's a ton of obesity issues. Um, and I think this is why people struggle with living a healthy lifestyle is because they think, Oh, it's all physical. I just need to switch. I just need to willpower my way to eat less and work out. And if I do that, then I'll get this body. And once I get this body, then I will be happy. But they, they don't realize that 30 days in <laughs> they programmed their brain to when they feel stress, when they feel like financial stress or relationship stress, they're going through a breakup, they're going through a hard time financially, or they're stressed out at work. We've programmed our brains to distract or numb ourselves with a substance, whether that's food, whether that's alcohol, whether that's drug, drugs, sex, porn, movies, TV shows, social media, whatever it is. We've programmed our brain from a very young age when we get stressed out and things get hard in life, we numb ourselves with substances. And then to do that for decades, <laughs> and then all of a sudden be like, okay, I'm never touching sugar again. I'm never touching alcohol again. I'm going to be 100% perfect. That's what the pressure they put on themselves. And then 30, 60 days in, they realize, you know, they have a really hard day at work. They're stressed out because they're not eating a lot of food. They're hungry all the time. They're sore from the workouts and they don't feel great yet. They don't see the six pack. <laughs> they are like, you know what? I had this. Is, this is too hard. I'm going to drink some alcohol. I'm going to eat some chocolate. And then they start to feel guilty and ashamed afterwards. And then they're like, I'm a failure. I can't do this. This is too hard. And they do that, you know, multiple times in their lifetime. That's why those, that's why it's really hard for someone to just be like, okay, I'm going to be healthy this year and be 100% perfect. So that was a long winded answer to your question, but this is why transformation is so much more complex for people than just eat less and work out. Sure. And, you know, kind of just touch on there really about the, the mindset and, you know, Again, linking back to one of the words I used earlier on determination. Now, a lot of this really pins back, it pins itself back to, you know, motivation. And you know, I wouldn't mind just speaking to maybe the intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation factors here. Obviously, for someone going through an experience like, like you know, some of your clients have gone through or are currently going through in the sense that they are obese or they are trying to lose this weight and they are trying to, I guess, shift and transform their lifestyles because that's what it really is. It's, it's a lifestyle thing. It's not just a, uh, you know, let's go to the gym and change uh, you know, just eat good meals here and there. No, it's actually, you, you, there's massive changes beyond that. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's other bits that, you know, fall into that in terms of your sleeping patterns and, you know, your hydration and, and the rest of it. 
Now, just on that then, you having gone through that journey, you know, 11 years ago now, you know, how how much more impactful did you find it when you were actually then engaging with your with your clients, not just on a empathetic level for them, but did you find there was more uh, positive uh, reception from any of the mm-hmm. guidance you were given, given the fact that you'd now essentially walked the walk? Did you find that there was more credibility behind 100%, it? 100%, 100%. And this is why I think it was so powerful. And if anyone has ever seen my TV show, which you could obviously go on YouTube or just type in fit to fat to fit TV show on A and E you'll, you'll be able to find these episodes and you'll see literally the same patterns happen for each trainer where they go through this process. And then after they go through that process, their client sees that their trainer struggle and they see their trainer develop empathy. That client has so much more respect and there's such a stronger bond between that client and that trainer after the fact that this trainer isn't this God, you know, isn't this, this like perfect being, <laughs> they realize that, man, my trainer understands me now so much better. They understand why I emotionally eat and they've kind of, in a sense, not not completely, but they've a little bit felt my pain. It's so much more powerful for that client to be like, man, this is the type of trainer that understands me and gets me and this is what motivates me to work harder for this person. It doesn't mean their journey is going to be easier. It just means that they feel understood. And so for me, when I did Fit, Fit, Fit and then started training people again, there was such a shift in focus on the mental and emotional side instead of like, you know, diet, exercise, supplements, like repeating that when you just sit down and listen to someone and understand why they're struggling, you help them connect the dots of why they are triggered, why these emotions cause them to reach for these foods or, or alcohol, whatever it is. And if you can help them connect those dots and realize, okay, this stems from maybe my mom treating, you know, saying I was fat as a kid or, or maybe some kids bullied me, or maybe I went through an abusive relationship as, as a kid and, and I've numbed myself over the years with food. You can be more empathetic towards yourself and have more empathy for yourself. And then in those moments in the future, when you're triggered again, you don't have to react like you normally do like a robot. Now you can thoughtfully respond and be more in control of your life. And this is where true transformation happens. And so that's why for me, there's been such a shift in focus on the mental and emotional side versus just the physical side of weight loss. And this is where the client I think has so much more respect and there's a relatability factor that really doesn't exist in most realms of fitness where you have a trainer who's 5% body fat, (laughs) you know, they've been in shape their whole life and they've never struggled with emotional eating. It's, it's, there's a huge disconnect I think between that person and maybe a fit to fat to fit trainer, like someone like me or that's been on the TV show. And I'm not saying we're better or we have like, there's, there's some amazing trainers out there that I know what empathy is and that makes it more powerful for them to connect with their clients. I think you have to have empathy for your client to respect you more versus if you're just a militant leader yelling at them, screaming at them, that might work for a small percentage of the population. But I think most people that turns them off to even wanting to work with the trainer. Sure. And obviously, you know, in, in, in the field that I work in, you know, very much the athlete and talent development space, it, I'm trying to think about how we can maybe, you know, mm-hmm. look at bridging some of these things that you're talking about over into that industry. And, you know, one of the things that kind of quite the question that kind of stands out for me is this idea of walking the walk. Now, there's two elements to this. First of all, do you feel that if you've had that experience or well, now that you've had the experience in your shoes, 
you've got more of a right to hold them accountable? <clears throat> yeah, 100%. And this is where there's respect of, or a mutual respect after this. So like, let's say, and this has happened to me too, because ultimately there's still gonna be clients, even if you understand them and, and show them empathy, they are still gonna struggle with their demons. Like <laughs> for me, for me to learn to be empathetic towards myself and to operate out of a place of self-love took me a good, I would say five years to initially grasp. Now here I am later, I still, I still am learning how to do that in certain situations. There's always gonna be demons that that person is gonna have to face. And as a trainer, it's so easy to get frustrated when you're giving them all the tools, you're giving them the empathy that they need, um, and you're giving them the balance of uh, that, that, that letting them know that they're worth it. Ultimately, they, that person has to do the work too. They have to eventually, you know, do the hard work. They do have to do the exercises. They do have to eat healthy to see the results. And there's going to be moments where they self-sabotage. There's going to be moments where they take two steps back and one step forward. There's going to be moments where maybe they go through a breakup and they're like, I can't, I just can't focus on fitness right now. The problem with, with our perception of success in health and fitness is like, we aren't successful unless we get this body. For me, success looks like that individual overcoming their mental and emotional challenges, how many every years it takes for them to do that, to, to then live a healthy lifestyle consistently over the long term. But that doesn't mean they're going to be 100% perfect. So it, 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 even though with all these tools, all the stuff I've learned and all the people that I've been able to help, there's people that still don't think they're worthy. There's still people that think they're not lovable. And in those moments of self-hate, they're going to self-sabotage. And there's nothing you can do as a trainer in those moments. So I don't want the trainers to think it's all up to them. You can only do so much as a trainer, as a coach. That person eventually has to trust themselves and, and believe in themselves. And they have to believe that they're worth it. You could tell them all day long that they're worth it, that they're you know, strong, that they can do hard things um, and that they shouldn't give up on themselves. But ultimately, no change will happen unless that individual believes that from within. And that might take years of therapy. You know what I'm saying? It could for some people. Um, you could just do the best you can and just realize you're doing the best you can. Because, you know, even with me and what I'm doing, it's not like I have a 100% success rate, <laughs> you know, where people don't fall off the wagon. Like I've helped people lose weight. And guess what? A lot of them gain the weight back. It doesn't mean that this sticks with them the first time. It just means that it's a long journey ahead and it's going to take time no matter who you're working with. Sure. And, you know, you, you, I want to kind of, you know, touch on that last bit they touched there. You know, you talked there about, you know, you've helped a lot of people lose weight, but some of them have ended up putting it back on. Is that maybe because they're, as you put it there as well, the success is attached to the body rather than the, <clears throat> the transformation of the, of, the, of the mindset and lifestyle yeah. itself? Um, you know, they get to that point, you know, <clears throat> I've got the body I want now. Um, they can almost flip back into some of the bad habits and think, right, I've done my... I, you know, I've done the hard work for four months. I can go back to what I was doing because I've got to where I got to. And, you know, how much of that is is down to the fact that they've set a goal, which is which has an yeah. end to it. And this is what I'm trying to do. You know, I'm doing my second fit to fit, fit experiment, you know, 10 years later. Um, you know, yeah. the, and this time around, my hope is to shift people's perception of what success looks like. Because here's the problem is I think most people are attached to success looking like, okay, once I get this body, an Instagram model body, once I get 5% body fat, then, <laughs> then all my problems will go away. Then I will be happy. Then I'll love myself. And here's the problem with that is that, even when they get that, even, you know, if they get the body, first of all, it's not guaranteed it's going to happen. 
that is not guaranteed to make that person fulfilled and happy. Uh, there was a good movie years ago. I don't know if you remember it with uh, uh, um, Eddie Murphy, the nutty professor. <laughs> a great example of someone going from morbidly obese in the movie. He takes a pill and then he's skinny and fit. And yeah, there's a temporary phase of him being happier, but you see that he's not fulfilled in the end. And this is why I'm trying to shift people's perception of what success looks like because for them to be successful, they have to get X body that you know looks like an Instagram model. Otherwise, they're a failure. If I could get people to fall in love with the process because they want to treat their body with kindness and love, what happens is that we take the results out of it for a second. Like take the 5% body fat, take the, the weight loss goal out of it for a second because we're so focused on the results. And if we could just focus on the process because we're worth it to eat healthy food because it feels good, right? Most people would agree they feel good when they eat healthy food on a consistent basis. They're brain is sharper. Their digestion is better. They have more energy. They're sleeping better. They have better sex, like all that stuff people know. And then if I could get them to move their body in a way that feels good to them, that doesn't feel like a punishment or a chore because most people, when they hate their bodies, they're like, all right, I'm going to do six workouts a day and I'm going to punish my body to the point of <laughs> total exhaustion and overtraining. And then I'll get the results. Like if I could just get them to uh, focus on the process because they love themselves and they're worth it to feel good and healthy, then what happens is then they just fall in love with the process. And guess what? The results end up taking care of themselves over time as a byproduct. And then that's where the big shift happens. They're like, oh, I get it now. Now I'm not so obsessed about the results. I'm just doing the process. I'm living this lifestyle just because it feels good. If the, if the um, <clears throat> results come or not, my happiness, my happiness is not dependent on the results only. And that's the big shift that I'm trying to make with doing this a second time and teaching people, um, you know, making that mental shift. It takes time, but that's where true fulfillment and happiness and a lifestyle change happens when that shift happens. Mm. I mean, you've, you've, you've really got the curiosity you yeah. just <laughs> around my mind at the moment. And you've got a couple of questions. The first one is coming back to you know this being the second time you do it now one of the questions that did pop into my mind initially was that how important is it then that that experience that you were going through the walk of the walk yourself is a recent and current one to an extent if that makes sense and it, how important is that because you know if, if we could take it away from i guess the context of what you're going through and you know i'm, I'm thinking about on a broader scale We've got people who have got different experiences, but maybe because it was five or 10 or 15, however many years ago, and they've uh, maybe become slightly detached to the the initial euphoria or, or the feelings that they were going through, they some of the some of the experiences is left a bit cloudy, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I'm not. Sorry, I, it doesn't make sense. I, can you explain a little bit further? I apologize. I didn't really understand what the question is. Yeah, so I mean, you know, sure. So, you know, you've okay, yep. done the first one 10 years ago. How important is it that you know that the second time round you, you you know is any is there any element of that you having to go through oh, okay. and kind of relive some of that and really understand it a bit more clearer or have a well, yes okay I understand now completely yes yeah. so so let me kind of so the first time when I did this was truly to gain a better understanding because I've never been overweight so that first experience was truly humbling uh, there's so many valuable lessons so going into it a second time ten years later I thought hey. I already know how to do this. I know what to expect. Like I know it's going to be, you know, a little bit hard. <laughs> but to be totally honest with you, I've 
uh, struggled so much more than I, than I thought I was doing this the second time, even though I learned so many valuable lessons. This time around, it's almost been more valuable because I feel like I'm so much more self-aware. I'm so much older and wiser, and I've done so much work on myself. Um, I thought it would be easier, but it's actually been harder in so many ways, mentally and emotionally, physically too, of course. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. But I think doing it a second time has been so much more powerful because back in 2011, social media wasn't what it is today. Like, so back then there was only Facebook pretty much. <laughs> there was no Facebook lives. There was no Insta stories. There was no, you know, TikTok. Like the ability to do it again in 2020 when there's so many more platforms to show my journey. on. There's so many more eyes on my journey this time around versus back then, you know, it was, it was a totally different game. That's why I feel like doing it a second time, mm. people can check in every single day with me to see what I'm experiencing, what I'm going through. And I feel like this time around is way more powerful <clears throat> because of that, because people can, you know, peek in and kind of see on a day-to-day basis, you know, the food I'm eating, <laughs> the mental, emotional changes I'm experiencing, the physical changes I'm experiencing. They see, you know, my YouTube videos, my TikTok videos, my Facebook and Instagram posts. They see my Insta stories. They see you know, stuff that's happening every single day. And this is where I can be vocal, so much more vocal. And this can be so much more educational for people to um, uh, build that awareness. They can see themselves through my journey and say, dude, Drew's experiencing the same thing I'm experiencing. No wonder, like now I get it. Now I understand why I am the way I am. Like I'm four years old too. And I'm experiencing issues in my relationship. And I get it now because I'm not sleeping well because my diet's not good. And I'm not exercising. I'm not treating my body with kindness. And I see why I'm less patient with my kids or I see why I'm uh, more emotional with my with my spouse or whatever. It, this is where this journey, I think, is so much more powerful for me to go through personally because I'm learning a lot of valuable lessons, but also to help make people more aware of just how much this uh, lifestyle of eating junk food and, and not exercising affects you in so many more ways than you can imagine. It affects your relationships. It affects your your business. It affects your relationship with your kids. It affects your personality, like, and it affects your sex life. It affects your mental clarity throughout the day. Because when you are a sleep deprived individual, and your hormones are out of whack, <laughs> you know, you are not. You don't show up the same version of yourself. You know, I, and I've even noticed that myself, where it's like so humbling because I'm like, okay, I know that I'm more reactive. I didn't sleep well the past week. Um, so I need more caffeine, more stimulants, stimulants throughout the day to stay awake. And I'm in survival mode constantly. And if any parents were listening, this is, I, I remember when I had my kids, when they're babies, every parent goes through this 
two to four month, maybe even longer phase of being completely sleep deprived, where you're up every couple hours in the night because your baby wakes up, needs to be fed, needs to be changed, needs to be held. Um, and you're you're never sleeping through the night. You're like a zombie. Like you're you're in survival mode to the point where you can't handle any stress, like from business or relationships. Like you're just like, look, I can't I can't deal with this type of drama or stress right now because I haven't slept in two three weeks, like constantly or consistently. And so um, it's really eye opening, I think, for me and for my followers to see it happening a second time. You know, here in 2020, when we can check in on any social media platform. Sure, and just on that, you know, you, you talk there about on all those different platforms. In some ways, you've almost got a a, a worldwide uh, audience of accountability partners for you, haven't you? In that respect, you know, how, what kind of pressure does that? Put um, you? yeah, that's an interesting question. Yeah. Um, it does put a lot of pressure on me, and that's why I feel like this journey is so much more stressful than the first time around because. I'm constantly having to check in on social media. I'm constantly having to respond to people, engage with people, post something. And so a lot of my life is due, uh, a lot of my stress in my life is due to my job. So it is a lot of pressure for sure. And I've had some breakdowns. I've had some emotional uh, stresses on this journey that I'm very vulnerable with my audience about because I, I want them to see pretty much everything. And that's why I have a, a film crew following me around. We're filming as much as we can during this journey. And um, it is a lot of pressure. And that's why I feel like I'm way more stressed out than, I, than I've ever been in my life. Um, and I've been through some hard times. I've been through a divorce. I've um, been through, you know, leaving my religion, um, <laughs> all kinds of stressful events in my life. And, um, and this is up there with those things. And, uh, um, you know, the, the journey back to fit is going to be a lot of pressure too. But I feel like in a way that makes me more accountable to my audience. And it actually helps me. It helps me to stay on track instead of, wanting to check out all the time sure and just you know just curious obviously you know you talk here about you know some of the impact it's had on your personal life and just you know you mentioned obviously you've got kids as well how was how was that being seen by your kids and you know what's the impression there and you know just on a general level do you <laughs> feel that at all that there's any it's been a yeah my girls have told me they hate anyway? this journey they hate <laughs> they hate that i'm doing this not so much because uh you know i'm, I'm unhealthier i think it's because uh, yeah, I'm less patient with them. They notice a difference. Like I am more reactive and I can't, you know, play, like do fun thing, active physical things with them, like go for a bike ride or go for a hike or, um, you know, things that, that we normally would do. And so, yeah, they, they don't like it as much to be honest with you. They are, can't wait for me not to just lose the weight, but just be healthy again. But they do enjoy the food in the house. <laughs> they do enjoy the junk food because <laughs> they're kids, you know, so you know, and just to, and kind of take you back to a couple of things that you talked about earlier. You know, around falling in love with the process. How, mm-hmm. you know, in in principle, it sounds it sounds great. You know, let's you know let's love the journey as as much as the destination. But how how do we how do we get that? How do we get to that stage mm-hmm. where we're not just you know not only on a personal level, but even if we're now trying to impart that that uh, mindset onto others and help others to get to that point of uh, that that perception of of the journey. Yeah. So like I said, for me, it took years to get get there. The things I did that helped me get there were first of all, just being open to new things that uh, are outside my comfort zone. So for me growing up, my, uh, my perception of therapy was uh, that's for people that have problems, (laughs) you know? And then when I started going to therapy and, and hired a life coach, 
I was like, oh my gosh, why haven't I learned this stuff before? Like, this is mind blowing. And then from there, it was like meditation because I was like, oh, meditation is for monks and, you know, weird people. But then here I am meditating now. Like, this is so mind blowing to me. Like, this is so healing for me. So it was a combination of that <clears throat> meditation, uh, self-reflection, uh, being out in nature, um, journaling, uh, making a gratitude list every single day. Uh, positive affirmations, so saying positive words to myself about myself on a consistent basis. Um, reading books, finally. I've never been a book reader, but uh, listening to books on, on Audible, for example, or listening to podcasts. And um, though a combination of those things over the years have really shifted my perception to build my self-awareness, to know myself better. And then when I know myself better, I can have more empathy for myself. And when I have more empathy for myself, then I can have more empathy for other people. But it starts with your relationship with yourself first. So doing the hard work on yourself first. So whether that requires therapists or psychologists or a life coach of some type, <clears throat> I think journaling and gratitude list is great as well. Getting out in nature, hiking as much as possible. <clears throat> um, meditation is huge. Um, and I, I think the a combination of these things over the years have really opened up my eyes and shifted my perception of myself, which in turn has then shifted my perception of the struggles of other people. Cause I see my struggles for what they are. I see where they stemmed from, you know, going back to my childhood and now I can learn to let those things go. So this, it's a long journey. I wish it was as simple as just taking a pill, <laughs> you know, and then all your emotional trauma is gone for the rest of your life. It takes deep, hard work. And this is what some people don't want to face. They'd rather drink themselves numb or they'd rather eat themselves numb or do drugs until they're numb to not have to deal with the pain instead of facing the pain. I love this quote by uh, Rumi. It's, it's um, the cure for pain is in the pain. So when we feel pain, we try and go around it. We don't want to feel pain, right? We don't want uh, to feel that discomfort, but the cure for the pain is in the pain. You have to go through it. You can't go around it, can't skip it, can't fast forward through it. You literally have to go through it sometimes. And then that's where you can finally release it. And then that's where you'll see lasting transformation. Mm. you know there's a few things you talk there and you know that's just on that quote initially you know it's the idea of i think people will do a lot more to avoid pain than they will to you know gravitate gravity or drive towards success in any ways um first of all you have to take you to take a couple of things you touched in therapy so your initial thoughts on therapy um i'm sure you're not the only one who had those kind of thoughts but would you mind just going into a bit of detail about what yeah. that actually looked like practically for you yeah for sure so it was kind of uh for was? me it started out with just a traditional marriage counselor therapist i started going to therapy when my ex-wife and i started having issues with, in, in our marriage right and it helped out a little bit i wouldn't say it was a miracle um it wasn't until i met a life coach um who uses uh something called the work and uh people like tim ferris have talked about this and other prominent names in this in this space uh it's it's by this lady named byron katie and she has a book called loving what is and she has coaches life coaches that study her work and it wasn't until i went to a life coach where i really was able to connect the dots so much deeper than therapy because therapy is basically you just go in there you talk about your problems they listen to you you know, they, they give you some suggestions. I'm not saying it's not helpful. It really is. But for me, the life coaching took it to another level, um, especially using this uh, four-step process and the work is really powerful. So um, if anyone wants to learn more about it, you can just Google it or look up Byron Katie or Loving What Is, reading that book to get started there. But therapy, you know, I still see a therapist to this day <laughs> just to be able to talk through my problems. And I think if any men are listening, 
I think men have a hard time opening up to other men about their problems. Like I don't call my, my boys when I'm like going through a fight or a struggle because men were kind of taught to keep it in, like don't show emotions, you know? So we just deal with it internally. But I think going to a therapist has really helped me vent to someone in a healthy way of what I'm experiencing. And then they helped me shift my perception of that experience and see it through a new lens. And then I could be like, oh, okay, now I don't have to be as emotionally attached to that problem in my life. Now I can see it through a different perspective and say, you know what? I can let this go now and or not attach myself to it. And that's how you move forward by learning to uh, be free from it and letting it go and not emotionally attaching yourself to these issues where you've created these stories for so long and you get so attached to those stories, you can't let go. You know what I'm saying? You can't forgive. You can't you know, move past this person or what happened. Um, so therapy plus life coaching plus meditation <clears throat> plus those other things that really helped me overcome that. Sure. And, you know, just coming back to that therapy aspect now, how much of that is or how important is it in that in that context then that that therapist is also someone who's experienced what you're talking about and yeah. through those walked in those shoes no i think it's super relevant because here's the thing i think every person needs some type of a coach in their life here's the thing the best most powerful therapists that i know of or coaches or whatever they have their own coaches they have their own therapists <laughs> because they know they realize the importance of having someone that is probably smarter than them that can help them see their own stuff through a new lens. So I think everyone having their own therapist or coach, uh, you know, a trainer, it's just like in the fitness industry, having a trainer will probably give you better results because they keep you accountable. They help you push past those hard times when you don't want to push yourself. Um, and then a the therapist can kind of help you do the same thing on a mental, emotional, spiritual level. Sometimes I'm not saying it's a miracle pill. I'm not saying it's going to magically help you get over your stuff, but I think it, it is helpful. It's worth the money to invest in yourself instead of just thinking like, oh, I don't need anyone. I can do this all by myself. I mean, come on. If, if, if the most powerful people in the world use therapists, use coach, even Tony Robbins has a coach. You know what I'm saying? He's probably one of the smartest people I know. I know that he invests in his own well-being. He invests in himself. And why shouldn't we? And just on that then, you know, how important is it or, or to what extent do you actually go into the idea of maybe your clients and the athletes you work with potentially that they should seek some of this guidance? And yeah, and this is why I implement these things into my program. So on my, for example, in my journey back to fit, which starts January 4th, 2021, and, and the whole world can join me on that journey back to fit, by the way, and they could see the exact same things I'll be doing. So they'll see the, the physical stuff. The, the meal plans, the workouts, the recipes, the grocery list, the supplements, like they can see that, but they also see the checklist of things on the mental emotional side. So therapy, life coaching, journaling, meditation, gratitude list, um, uh, those kinds of things, positive affirmations as well. They get to have access to that as well to see in order to implement that in their life and to see a big difference instead of just saying, okay, here's the meal plans, here's the workouts, just do that stuff. You have to also focus on working in and not just working out. It's got to be a combination of those two things because if you just focus on one or the other, the other you know side of you gets unhealthier. So if I just focus on therapy and uh, and reading books and podcasting but don't move my body, yeah, my mind might be fixed, but my body's going to be a wreck, <laughs> which in turn affects my mind. So that's why you know getting outside, exercising, sleeping well, um, you know, eating healthy food, supplementing the right way, 
in turn, yeah, makes your body physically strong and healthy, but it also in turn helps your mind to be strong and healthy as well and your your spirit too. It's, it all goes together, and that's why I'm trying to help people see and become more aware of the, the connection between all of those things instead of saying, okay, I got to lose weight. Okay, I need to do this diet and do this workout program, but then they don't do any kind of meditation. They don't do any inner work. They don't focus on um, you know, uh, meditation or uh, some type of uh, practice like that uh, for our mental health. Then, yeah, their physical body might be healthy, but inside there's still something missing. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. No, definitely, 100%. It's almost like looking at it as this is a, a wholesome thing. It's a holistic approach rather than, yeah. you know, just isolating certain aspects of it. And I kind of just, you know, build on that then, you know, you talk there about, or something you did mention earlier about the meditation. Now, again, the initial idea for a lot of people maybe aren't into meditation and different types of meditation. The yeah. idea is, oh, it's probably something to do with monks and that, and that's the, you know, that's the vision you've <clears> almost got. What was that like? What was that process like? And what kind of what types of meditation did you you know participate? Yeah, in? so for me, uh, I didn't know where to start. So the cool thing nowadays yeah. is there's technology, and you could literally go and download a free app like I used Headspace um, and Calm C A L M. Two free apps you can download for guided meditation. So if you're a beginner, you've never meditated a day in your life, those are great places to start. You could also go to YouTube, type in guided meditation. Boom, you have access to free <laughs> guided meditations. And just see what jives with you. See what 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 makes you feel good. Because and then from there, I would actually study meditation because I think people's perception of meditation is that you sit there and think of nothing. And people with busy minds are like, I can't meditate. It's impossible because I think the goal or my perception is to stop thinking, and that's not what it's about. <laughs> so do a little study into what meditation is, and then start very simple and don't judge yourself because that's the problem with people in exercise too. They're like, I don't know where to start. I don't know how to go to the gym and, and do these machines. Like. So I'm just not going to go. And so people do the same thing with meditation. Like, I don't know how to meditate. I don't understand it. So I'm just not going to do it. But you're missing out on a huge uh, component of, of becoming healthier if you're not at least going to try. Do some research. Download the free stuff. doesn't have to be this all or nothing mentality. Just start out slow and be consistent in, in the, the easy part for a period of time. And then you'll graduate to the more complex stuff, you know, just like with exercise. Someone that's never exercised a day in their life you go and try and teach them a proper deadlift or a power clean, they're not going to get it. <laughs> but if they start out with a push-up and let's start perfecting the push-up, then from there we can graduate to other movements. So people just – people, they want instant gratification. Does that make sense? We want to be – we want instant results. So just be patient with yourself. Yeah. <clears throat> Definitely. You know, just kind of, you know, I want to bring it back to – your overarching topic here, you know, we really going through that experience, you know, as you touched on this, helps you build a, a you know, a, a different level of empathy, which you probably didn't have before or certainly didn't have before. And, you know, going through that journey again, is probably helping you do that again. Um, just, you know, some of the challenges that you've been through going through this journey, you know, it's obviously had an impact on you both physically and mentally. And obviously some of that's been showcased on, you know, on, on all the social platforms as you, as you went through. Now, if we yeah. come back to the heart of the conversation around the empathy part, would you mind maybe breaking it down into some steps for us? And as a coach or trainer, just in, it just as, as in general. Oh, just in just in general, and I mean, you can provide you know if you, yeah. want to, you know provide some examples of how you've gone about doing that. Yeah. Uh, beyond the so, I would start by reading Brene Brown's books. Uh, I start with Daring Greatly, um, uh, Braving the Wilderness, and. Um, 
Daring Greatly, Braving the Wilderness, and uh, Rising Strong. I think that's what it's called. I have to double check that title. But start reading her books or listening to her books on Audible to gain a better understanding of, of what empathy is first and foremost. And then from there, you can start to look at yourself and be empathetic towards yourself in certain ways. And then once you have empathy for yourself, then I feel like it's so much easier to have empathy for someone else. Because if you're, if you're trying to be empathetic towards someone else and you hate yourself and you judge yourself and you can't show yourself love and empathy, it's going to be really hard to be able to do that to someone else. Because I think everything is a reflection of how we see ourselves. So everything's a mirror. So if we judge ourselves and hate ourselves, guess what? You're going to judge other people and hate other people. So it, the, the work within has to start, you know, first and foremost. And I would start by reading Brene Brown's books or watching her, her talks on like uh, on YouTube <clears throat> and, um, and diving into what empathy is uh, from a very basic level. Like I said, empathy is listening to understand and not listening to respond and, and not listening to judge or critique or correct. That's where if you find yourself disagreeing with someone instantly right off the bat based off what they're saying, like you do on social media, like when people see a social media post that it goes against their uh, beliefs, we're so quick to judge. <laughs> or if they have a meme that's, that states something that we don't believe, we're like, oh, this person is a bad person and I'm right and they're wrong. That's not the best way to start uh, developing empathy. <laughs> so truly listening to understand. Brene Brown says, it's really hard to hate someone up close. And that is so true. When we sit down face to face with someone, we hear their story. We listen to what they've been through. Then you can understand them and be like, now I get why you believe the way you believe instead of, Hey, I saw your social media posts and I know nothing about you and I hate you instantly. That's so easy to do. That's so easy as humans to hate someone without knowing them, without context, with just seeing one social media post. That's the problem with our society today, in my opinion. If we could learn to understand someone, to figure out why they believe the way they believe, then we could have empathy for them. It's like, man, I totally get why you're a Republican or I totally get why you're a Democrat or I totally get why you believe in this or that. Like, then it makes more sense. And then you can hold space for people and, and not have to judge them so quickly when you see a social media post or you see them say a statement that you disagree with and you want to jump all over them like, and fight them. So anyways, it takes time. People want a quick fix. So those that's my two cents on empathy. Sure. Mm. Just, you know, just to want one, yeah. one last bit on that, then, you know, talking have empathy for yourself. That, that you know, that's sometimes sure. it's harder, harder <laughs> than it, certainly harder than it, it can that would seem. Um, I think one of the ideas, you know, one of the things that you touched on in that word is judgment. You know, we, we, we often, you know, I think it's just human nature. We don't want to be judged, especially if we feel like we're being judged harshly or, in, you know, uh, inappropriately. You know, you use that example there of having a meme and all of a sudden people are thinking, oh, this person's a bad person, this person's this. And actually, it's just a, yeah. a, a drop in the ocean of who that person really is. Um obviously over time you know building, sure. building that empathy is difficult so I you know just want to talk to that for just another yeah, wind down then what were some of the yeah. challenges for you when looking to build that empathy you know what a game changer was for me it was um, a friend of mine who's a life coach um, she said anytime that you find yourself talking down to yourself you're beating yourself up you're judging yourself you're guilting you're shaming yourself you you know, and I, I think a lot of adults have had those moments where we just, man, why can't I do this? I hate myself. Why can't I look this way? Why can't I 
be this person? Why can't I do this? I want to accomplish this. Like, and you are pretty unkind to yourself, right? I think every person has experienced that. She said, in those moments, she's like, I want you to go find a picture of your five-year-old self and hold that picture in your pocket and take that picture out and those negative things you're saying to yourself, look at, look at that little five-year-old boy or girl. Would you say those things to that little boy or girl? And the power in that is knowing that in, <clears throat> inside of each of us is this inner child, this little boy, or this little girl that still exists, that still hurts. And if you can see yourself as that five-year-old version of yourself just for a second, you realize you're being so hard on yourself. You realize that you're in a way abusing yourself because <laughs> that's what you've been taught to do by your parents, your your siblings, your your coaches, your teachers, your whoever it is. And in those moments, if you could see that inner child in you, you could start to have more empathy. If you look at that picture and you're like, man, I would never say that to this little boy or this little girl. <laughs> and you, that little boy or little girl still exists in you. And so from there, if you could see yourself through that lens, then you can see other people through that lens as well. Like you're just some hurt little kid that's been hurt for so long. You, you need a freaking hug. <laughs> like you need some love in your life. And then you won't be so hateful. You won't be so judgmental. And that's where you can start to see other people through that same lens. But it has to start with you first. So look at that picture of your five-year-old self. Carry it with you. Anytime you're beating yourself up, anytime you're feeling down on yourself, you're hating yourself, take that picture out. Try and say those mean things to that little kid. And I promise you, you will start to see yourself through a new lens and start to develop empathy for yourself. You know, in, in a nutshell, for anyone that's listening, Drew says, if you're a five-year-old kid, then you have to make sure that that five-year-old kid is going to yes. you know, praised and encouraged rather than be put down. Um, and I think mm -hmm. in, in terms of the how-to steps, building empathy, yes. just imagine everyone's a five-year-old kid. <laughs> for a second, just forget about all the responsibilities in life. <laughs> Um, as easy as you know, as easy or as difficult as that may be for you, but you know, Drew, uh, for, you know, I just want to say thank you again for your time. You know that that was brilliant. Um, just just to kind of you know finish off, and you know, if anyone that might have more questions or want to know a little bit more about the stuff that you do, if this is yeah, sort of um, start with my website, fit. Go and do that to fat to fit .com with the number two. So fit number two, fat number two, fit .com. Start there, um, and if you want to join me on the journey back to fit and learn how to do all these things I've talked about the physical plus the mental emotional transformation uh click on the link or the the tab back to fit and uh, you can sign up and join me on the journey back to fit if you want to uh so go there on social media you can reach out to me uh it's, it's the same for all social media platforms fit number two fat number two fit so um that i try and make it as simple as possible so perfect well Trudeau, thank you again for your time today it's been very informative and uh, you know i'm, I'm sure uh, many of the listeners will try and tag along and, and follow that journey, especially your journey back you. to fit from January 2021. Yeah. Um, Thanks, Coach. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, but My pleasure. Thank you again for your time, Drew. Well, there you have it, guys. You've been listening to another edition of the Coaches Network How-To Series, where we discuss a range of topics and with the help of our guests, break down some actionable how-to steps for you to reach your full potential. 
Now, I've got no doubt that you've enjoyed today's episode as much as we have, but I just want to say thanks again, guys. You know, your support is massively appreciated. So thanks again for everyone that's been tuning in, and please do get in touch with us and today's guest to let us know where you're listening from, to share your thoughts, your views, and your key takeaways from today's show. Along with any suggestions for guests you'd like to see on the show and any topics you'd like to hear discussed, ultimately, guys, the show is about you guys. So let us know what you're interested in, who you're interested in listening from, so get us and get in touch. And on that note, guys, you can get in touch on Instagram at The Coaches Network or on Twitter at The Coaches Net. But please do not forget to use the hashtag The Coaches Network. That was the hashtag The Coaches Network. We need as much support we can get to keep this great content coming out to you. Now lastly guys, I just want to say keep an eye out for our socials on the latest updates and announcements for upcoming guests and discussion topics with our panel. Until next time guys, take care and have a great day. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.